Hello and welcome back to Mind of Success. I'm your host, Moni Millares, a Mexican-British living in Asia. I work in fintech and build digital banks from scratch. In my years in the industry, I've realized most of us are in a vulnerable financial position. However, building a business can be a catalyst for change. So I created this podcast. It's about business stories we do not talk about. I chat with entrepreneurs, CEOs, and experts about their journeys, struggles, and lessons to extract gems of wisdom and practical tools so that we can thrive and create the impact we want. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we have an amazing woman entrepreneur as our guest. We have Natasha K.K. McLeveron. She has a very inspiring story, entrepreneurial trajectory, ups and downs, so we can learn tons from her. She is the founder and CEO of People, and she basically it is a consulting company with more than 1,200 experts in her network. So Nat, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. And hi, everyone. Yeah, so the company is called P-Pearl, and um, the belief is that people are like pearls. So we all start out from a very, very humble grain of sand. And with the correct sort of nurture and fostering, we can all become precious and unique like pearls. Yeah. And that's a yes. I wanted you to to clarify my pronunciation as well. <laughs> I was like, oh, the pronunciation didn't work. <laughs> but I'm very glad that that you that you did that. Uh, but that's a very good that's a very good way to start actually, because it's like we. I loved what you said. We all start from very humble, humble beginnings. You know, it's just a few people that are fortunate enough that come from super wealthy families and they have everything sorted. The rest of us, all of us, we've had to work hard and have vision and determination and mindset and everything to get to where we are. No one gave it to us. Our parents did not give it to us. So I love the idea that we say, hey, we all start like a grain of sand, then little by little by little with the right nurturing, the right environment, the right everything, we become pearls, each of us. And pearls are unique and they are valuable. It's just like beautiful. I, I, I love that, that it's not even an analogy, that way of thinking and that mindset behind you and your company. So beautiful. So let's get started with, well, you have a fascinating story. <laughs> so I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Can you tell us, because, okay, so for everyone, so that they know why I'm a little bit like confused on where to start. You have the consulting company, but actually you have a background in corporate, just like many of us. So you worked in corporate, then at some point you decided to do your own gig, but at the same time you started a spot that had a little bit of a twist and then people were like, no, it's not going to work. Then you had all these lessons, then you kind of like went back to, you stopped the consulting, then you came back. So it's a fascinating story. So can you guide us through that story? And then I'll just interrupt as I see fit. Sure. Well, I suppose um, it started well, when I just fell into consulting, basically, you know, I uh, got back into Singapore, I, I left uh, the US, 
And it was a time when I think I sent out, not kidding, maybe over 200 resumes, you know, and um, the economy was uh, in a slump at yeah. that point in time. So uh, when I got back, I was fortunate enough to join Anderson Business Consulting, and that's where it started. Um, then I went uh, from that into a much more specialized consultancy, which hires only psychologists, because that's what I am, a business psychologist. And um, to cut a long story short, I decided um, to move to KL, and that's where you live, right? Yes, yes. I'm All by sure. myself um, to set up to set up business, you know, and at that point in time I was you know sort of crazy um, you know nothing to lose and uh, just decided to to do that and it was all by myself it was very very hard work honestly but one of the things that um, I think I and I love Malaysia because of that it, the people there were so warm and so kind and so supportive and that's when I realized that you know um, and the nicest people to me were women you know, and I, I thought, wow, you know, women can actually be nice to other women. Yes. Uh, and, and that kind of put me on this um, path to deciding to always be supportive, you know, to other women. And in fact, I was just reading this, um, oops, my camera went funny. Sorry <laughs> yes. about that. <laughs> yeah, the heroes of home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were just saying that, uh, you know, a, a strong woman supports herself, a stronger woman supports other women. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And that's important, but not to digress. So um, did that for a while. Then I sold uh, the business because I uh, was living on my own. And well, my, my husband was living in uh, Singapore. So we decided to... Uh, to, to get the family together, you know. So I sold the business and um, somewhere in between, I also started a spa because I, I, I thought, you know, I wanted to, I was very, very inspired by uh, Muhammad Yunus' book, Banker to the Poor. And that's where he does microfinancing. And I thought, oh, you know what? I, I'll, I'm gonna start a spa for, for other women, you know, and uh, I will, uh, train our people who came out of uh, the Yellow Room program, which is a program in Singapore that um, gives women convicts, you know, like a, a second life, I guess. So yeah. I hired, um, yeah, some of those those people and um, started the spa. At the same time, running uh, a consultancy out of Malaysia, and the spa was in Singapore. Uh, it was a terrible failure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's yes. stop there for a second. So basically, you decided to come back home, not home, to come back to Malaysia. You're, you're, you currently live in Singapore, so you came to Malaysia, and then you started the consulting firm. And in parallel, you were starting a spa in Singapore for women that were coming up. Well, where the people working in the spa were women that were coming out of prison and then basically you were supporting them to give them a second chance that on its own it's like whoa she's building two businesses at the same time <laughs> that, that on its own is impressive um what like if we go back into your mind back then what made you make that jump and that leap of faith and say, yes, 
people may say no, that this is a terrible idea starting the spa, but you still went for it. What was going on with your mind? Yeah, mm, and you're right. Uh, everybody was telling me it was crazy. You know, you know nothing about running a spa. You know, how could you do this? And I think that was partly the fuel that made me say, "I'll show you." You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And and of course, you know, uh, like I said, it, it was uh, it was a terrible failure because you know the the setup costs were very high. The people that uh, I hired, I think I just started something like that in the wrong place, you know, in a, in sort of um, almost first world, first world country, you know, where uh, people have very different needs. Um, yeah, but I, I believed in it and I really wanted to make it happen. And uh, yeah. So it was, let me deep dive on that. Did you believe in the idea or it was you believe in yourself? And even though you saw the gaps in the idea, you wanted to give it a try. Yeah, I, um, I think, you know, sometimes entrepreneurialism, a lot of it is, is belief that it can happen, you know. Um, and, and then if it doesn't, because lots of things uh, I've done exactly. don't work out well, learn from those you know like take all the lessons you can uh and then don't stop and don't stop believing in it because uh there are going to be lots of people who will tell you all sorts of things and your mind will tell you all sorts of things you know on, on bad days bad months you know but oh my god you know what am i doing and i go through this all the time we all do but we all do. Yeah. The mind. Yeah. Sometimes it's other people, but no, it's our own mind. It's the one that tells us. <gasps> yeah. But it's just, you know, having that, like, yeah, faith and, and belief. Yeah. And then yeah. finding good sounding boards, maybe. Oh, that to... is very important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I like boards. hearing from people. I like hearing from people who will challenge me, who will say, who will tell me why it won't work. Because then that makes me sharper, you know, but don't let those negative, you know, views kill you. It just say, okay, yeah, that's a good point. How have I, have I covered that angle? And if I haven't, mm. how can I that angle? Yeah. yeah, that's a beautiful mindset because then it's, uh, it's not criticism getting defensive. It is, uh, listen to what others are seeing with a different perspective and then say oh have i covered that angle Be beautiful mindset how yeah. how do you find those people to have that sounding board i do find that one of the most difficult things as an entrepreneur or someone that has a passion project is you have all these ideas but of course ideas in your head and on your own they are not as powerful as when you bounce back ideas with someone else but you're on your own, basically. And then it's like, how do you, how, yeah, how do you get that, that feedback from others such that it's genuine? Um, I think, I think in my life, uh, I've tapped on 
you know, countless number of people for, for bits of advice everywhere, you know, and for that, I'm extremely thankful to really, you know, uh, any, anyone, everyone who has been on this journey. Sometimes it's a passing comment. Sometimes it's a four hour conversation, yeah. you know, um, and all those bits and pieces mean something. Yeah. Um, but like I said earlier, having, having sounding boards, you know, some, a few different people who are very, very different from you, very different from um, the, the work that you, that you do. And then some people who are similar as well. And, and just say, look, you know, I need to hear the truth. Tell me the truth. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because otherwise we can just go blind. That's yeah. Big, either a big opportunity or a big risk. We just don't see it because we don't. And then basically perspective of others help us. Before, before you said that um, you use sounding boards, you also mentioned you had to have, it came down to having faith. How do you cultivate that faith? That's a good question. I would say, I think it starts from small wins. You know, every time you do something um, and, and, and it works, just, you know, remember that it worked and then you try to build on it and build on it you know um, I was talking about I wrote a little blog the other day and I was saying that having having a reflection journal uh, yeah. helps you know so like it could be a happiness journal and just be re remember all the positive things that you've done and and tell yourself you're worth it yeah you know tell yourself you're worth it I like that you're worth it we don't do that a lot. Yeah. Consciously. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And we are our worst enemies, right? Our mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our yeah. mind sabotages and instills all the fears and the doubts and the worry and the disbelief. No one else does it. It's our mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I interrupted the story, <laughs> basically. Well, your life story. So basically you had, you were saying that you started the spa, but then it was a failure. Uh, how did you manage going through that failure and closing the spa and making the decision of saying, oh, oh, this is not working anymore? How did you go through that period of time? just cutting losses yeah cutting losses was important uh, I just said okay let's cut, cut our losses and move forward you know um yeah and uh after that right after all that um I thought okay I'm done with it mm -hmm. um I spent a couple of years in, maybe yeah on reflection maybe I was sort of you know healing you know uh, and yes. then I because I sold the business, I started working on my own. I was running these uh, camps at home for little kids, uh, having the, the girls grow up. I've got two daughters. Mm -hmm. And it was nice because I felt that people were paying me <laughs> to, yeah. to be like yeah. my kids. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think maybe sometimes a, a little bit of 
stepping away from the situation helps. Yes, and you said it took you a few years to heal out of that experience. That is so powerful and vulnerable that you're sharing that because sometimes I feel that when something happens in our career, job, business, and it hits us emotionally because we are very invested and we are feeling down, depressed, or anxiety or angry or whatever that thing is, that emotion is, but it hits us and it's affecting our confidence and everything. We want to bounce back like tomorrow, like if it didn't happen. But then it's like, sometimes it's important to give that space to say, actually, it did happen. It may not seem important to everyone else in the world, but to me, that was important because it was something that I really cherished and giving us the space to sit with that pain, because it's pain, sit with that pain and then reflect on that and, and just like, let it be basically, so that then you can come stronger on the other side. So it is very, I appreciate that you said that it took you a long time to heal. Yeah. I, I see myself as, you know, a fairly strong person, right? But yes. I, I realized looking back at a lot of instances, um, sometimes it it took me, you know, like I, I will bounce back in my mind, like, yeah. oh, I'm fine. But when I look back on with enough time ago, actually it took me that long, you know, that much long, you know, yes. like six months or maybe it took me two years or even longer sometimes to really get over it. So, Yeah. I think um, yes. we, we, we need the time. Yes, and I, I think that's a very powerful message because many of us believe that we're, yes, all of us were superhumans, but uh, we're humans. <laughs> and being human is being vulnerable as well and acknowledging all that, quote unquote, negative emotions. But it's like those rough, times is what gives us the energy again to reinvent and to go again into the world and gives you a little bit of a hump to like okay cool that was tough let me do it again it took me a year or so to get over it but fine I'm up again and that's important yeah. that's very important yes yeah yeah maybe I'll share also um you know when I went back into the workforce it was 2018 yeah. um so yeah, I, I joined um, it, yeah several companies, and uh, two of them were uh, one I had a, a very very I would say he was sort of abusive boss, you know, um, a bully, and uh, it was particularly tough because I had just entered the workforce again. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's important to speak about this because you know um, I think bullying at work is. Uh, something very prevalent. And then after that, subsequently, I went to uh, another job where the, the boss was wonderful, but then I had um, bullies who, who, you know, who, who, had, who were in the shape of uh, my, my peers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and this kind of mental, emotional pain uh, is tough, you know, to go to work and I always wonder why people don't, talk about bullying at work when it's so prevalent you yes. know yeah mm. that's a and very important topic that I'll, I'll stop here it's like I have to go a little bit deeper 
So mm. bullying at work is also the result of the, we don't want to call it bullying because it sounds aggressive, but it, it can be like what it is. It's a toxic culture, toxic management mm. that leads to bullying. So I think there is a lot of narrative uh, these days along creating a psychological safety. That is basically the opposite of bullying, but that's the, the, the light, you know, like the positive uh, angle tackling the problem of toxic cultures and bullying. What I would like to understand is of someone who went through that experience and has the courage to say out loud as part of her story and be public about it without saying names or anything, how, how did it feel? Because that's what people don't understand. When we talk about toxic cultures and bullying at work, it's just theory. It's just a LinkedIn post. It's just a conversation. But we need to really go into the feelings of how it feels really to be in that situation so that then things can change. Can you expand on how it felt yeah. being in that place? It was, it was really tough because, um, I mean, basically, you, you feel you feel it's your fault, you know. It's like it's me. Something is wrong with me, um, and and it, it eats at you every day. Uh, it really breaks down your confidence. Um, yeah, it's it's tough, you know. And it doesn't matter what everyone else around you is saying, you know. Uh, and somehow you know it, you know, because they're like, look, it's it's that person's problem. It's not you. Look, you're not the only one. All your other colleagues feel the same because you have these conversations or look you know so many people are leaving so it's not you yeah. and it's very difficult to uh, and, and you might know it but you don't feel, feel it. it yes it's like yes in your mind you the logic mind knows but the heart and the emotions the emotional being even though the mind knows like it affects yeah how, yes, exactly. When you were going through that experience, how did you cope with the lack of confidence at work and constantly being told directly or indirectly that your job was not good and you were not doing a good job? Yeah. Mm. Actually, frankly, I, I don't think I coped super well. Yeah. 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 I, I thought I was, you know, um, you know, like, okay, right. Every weekend you're going, all right, I'm going to steal myself and I'm going to go back and it'll be fine. Um, I, I think really the, the, the only way to do it is to, to remove yourself from that situation, you know? Yeah, to remove yourself and, and then you can get perspective. Mm. Uh, I, I, re I realize not everyone can remove themselves from that perspective. Then... Um, or sometimes like... Economically speaking, you cannot do your job. Financially speaking, it's like you have yeah. to stay there long enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say um, you, you need to get help, you know, from others, speak to others about it. Yeah. And I actually went to some senior people to, you know, to say, I would like to let you know that this is happening and I'm not the only one. And the worst thing that happened in this situation, at least, was that the senior people said, oh, we know that. Oh. And I think my message is, you know, if, if, if you are in an organization 
especially if you're in a power of authority and you can do something about it. And if you don't, then you're just as culpable, you know? Yeah. Because you allow it. You know, if you allow it, then the space is not safe. Like you're saying, you know, you're not helping to create that safe space. Um, yeah. You know, but um, yeah, like, you know, speak, speak to people, um, try to get help. Um, try to just find ways to distance yourself yeah yes mm. yeah because but it's very real yeah that's what i was going to say it is real it happens all over across the world this is not specific to a country it's like i've worked in multiple cultures <laughs> happens in latin america it happens in europe it happens in asia it happens across all of the world <laughs> I just have not worked in Africa, but I'm assuming the same type of humans live in all the continents. So it happens. And it's important that we we talk about it. Yeah. 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 And actually I, I have a you know a personal interest in 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 doing more of that, you know, um, getting word out about this. I read in an article somewhere it said like people and I think one in four Singaporeans have reported that they have been bullied at work. Oh, wow. You know, that is a huge statistic, you know? Yes. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's 25% of people and the impact that it has on people's lives. That's like one, one fourth of the population, sorry, one fifth of the population or one fourth, whatever. It's living, under, it's living under stress, unnecessary stress because of your manager and the environment at work. That doesn't sound right. And the impact that then it has in the company as such, if we're saying, hey, fourth of your people are just not in their, forget about peak performance, they're just not in their average performance, they are under underperforming because of the culture. So super, super relevant topic. Um, I'll change gears because then what you do now basically addresses that problem. Like the type yeah. of work that you do, it's basically, it's, I don't know if you planned for it <laughs> or just like evolved like that, but in my eyes, as we talk about it, I'm like, yeah, it's a very strong problem. You have a solution as well. Like you've created a company that helps create a more inclusive, collaborative, empowering uh, environment. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I think us as an organization ourselves, um, we work very hard to ensure that everybody has a voice. Um, and, and I think it's because of that, you know, being in so many toxic cultures, I really want to ensure that ours is healthy, happy. Um, yeah, so, so that matters. Um, and in the programs that we create for our clients, we have a lot of experts who are uh, speaking out for diversity and inclusion. There are also um, experts who talk about compassionate leadership. I mean, these are all topics yeah. that we we champion and um, we put into, you know, leadership programs or be it lunch and learns and so on. Yeah. Yeah. As, as, yes. I'm like, I have like two conflicting questions in my mind. <laughs> um, how, 
do you put this in practice as a manager, as the CEO of the company? Because sometimes I find it's like, yes, it's easy to be the subject matter expert and, you know, like build all these trainings, but then in-house, like the environment in the company may not be in alignment with what you preach. But based on what we spoke, you do, you are in alignment with what you preach as such. So, or at least making the effort. <laughs> What do you do as a CEO, as a manager, like you have people under you, How, what do you do on a daily basis or a monthly, weekly basis to foster this environmental work? Yeah, actually, our team is largely distributed, so we, we are uh, across five different time, four different time zones and five different countries. And um, it's simple stuff, you know, really it's communication. Yeah. So we, we have a daily catch up, uh, more than one, one actually. And I make it a point to uh, spend time with, with every single person. Uh, so it's, it's really like, oh, you know, that's, that's simple. That's, that's you know, a no brainer, but I think we don't do it enough, yeah. And now that we're into, you know, hybrid work, and this is a lot of the work that we do as well for our clients, we encourage, um, I, I encourage leaders to do that, you know, call, talk. Um, sometimes you might just want to mandate, you know, the first five minutes of no work talk, you know, just how are you? How are things? You know, how's your family? Yes, that makes a difference. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I do that just like because I like chatting, da, da, da. but when I go to meetings that we don't have that, I'm like, okay, cool, let's go do it. <laughs> Those make yeah. a difference to just take those few minutes to chit chat. Yes, yeah. it really does. Yeah. And I think in this virtual world, it's too, we, we, we have back to back meetings. We go into, okay, so like, let's do this, let's do that. Okay, everything's good. Okay, bye bye. You know, and it becomes so repetitive and so mundane and transactional yeah so mm. yeah um we, we do also a monthly social you know yeah. uh where just uh different people take turns to to run the social oh, cool. and, and organize it yeah. yeah so that that's one as well um and then yeah we play games you know um i think we need to do a lot more of that yeah um, we also offer a lot more flexibility at work in terms of like, we don't clock watch, you know. Um, I'm actually thinking of implementing a, a four day work week twice, uh, twice, a, twice a month. Yeah. yeah. Let us know how that goes. Everybody in the rest of the world will be like, yes, we want more evidence that it works. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so one of the... As a consulting company, one of the topics that we cover is uh, how to build the coaching culture within the company, like from the ground up, rather than just from CEO down. What can you tell us about that? How, how do we, no, before, how do we do it? Why is it important to build a coaching culture internally? Yeah. I mean, organizations have changed a lot uh, in the last 10, 15 years, you know, they're way flatter. Technology has allowed um, people to speak out at, at all different levels. And um, in the old days where, you know, if I'm senior, I know best, um, 
and I will tell you what to do doesn't work anymore. You know, um, largely, yeah, the way society and technology has changed and enabled that. So um, we find that newer, younger workforce have so much more to, to, to teach the older workforce, you know, and therefore this coaching culture comes both ways. You know, the younger generation can coach the older generation and vice versa. The older generation, they have experience. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and then we have to put in place systems and structures to allow them to communicate with each other, you know, and there's no more telling, you know, there's just, um, what do you think? You know, here's my point of view. And the coaching culture is one that asks a lot more questions and listens a lot more than tells. And that's one way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That so, reminded me yeah. of my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have, it's like grandpa was first generation, then my dad and siblings, second generation, and then some of my cousins are the third generation. But what you just said, it's like so real the second generation the older generation let's say the experienced ones and the new ones with new ideas sometimes communication does breaks communication breaks but that's just like one example there's like tons of family businesses around the world and not only family businesses like corporate world you have someone running like at senior level in their mid late 50s and then you have the new people like Gen Set by now <laughs> in their early 20s and there's a clash because it's different cultures all together. Yeah. Yeah. So how can you go a little bit deeper? How how do you, how does one build a coaching culture from the ground up? I think I think it's telling everyone uh, within the organization that, um, and really practicing it, that that it is as flat as possible. You know, everyone has a voice, and you really need to live it. You need to live it. You know, and that um, the way people talk to each other, the way they behave with each other, has to change. You know, where you are um, always open to feedback. You know, mm. and that you're always asking for feedback and um, that you don't, you know, act like you know more than someone else, you know. So it's about maybe having a different mindset at work, you know, yeah. constantly saying, I don't know that much and how can I be better, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'll ask, you know, for feedback. Um, I think leaders need to be more humble you know especially people who are in a more senior position yeah. and really you know take that chip off your shoulder you know that you know uh, and maybe it's that fear you know remove that fear it doesn't matter you know if you don't know everything you're not expected to know everything you know no, none of us yeah. yeah um and it's, it's working on these little things you know and having more compassion uh, and empathy at work um being more human you know so all these are elements it's just basic fundamental you know like yeah you know, communication slash psychology slash being one-on-one you know yeah what do you think stops 
leaders from being that way? What are the fears in their minds that they just they continue to not do that? Hmm. I I really think that it's it's fear um, of losing control, fear of you know looking stupid, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of it has to do with the way we were brought up as well, our education system, you know, which was very much one way. Um, teachers tell, you listen, uh, especially maybe in Asia, more than more same than same in Latin other. America, it's the same. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard in India it's the same. I doubt that in the UK is largely different. So it's mostly the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so I think if one stopped having the need to control, the need to be right, the need to look uh, clever, or you know, to have the last word, it's really not necessary. Um, if if we can banish all those needs, you know, and and have other needs like I need to to support and elevate others, mm -hmm. even if it my idea, I will you know, talk to different people so they all have that idea and then they come up with it. And then you go, wow, you know, that's amazing, guys. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, you know, so change your needs to building others up. Change your needs to having an interest in what they're doing. Change your needs to, yeah, um, you know, not having all the answers. Change your needs to learning from others instead of telling others or even like teaching others. Mm. That's a beautiful switch of mindset. It's even like what I pictured, it was like, I see our brains as computers. So it's like, it seems like we have like a, a disc and then you kind of remove that one and you put another one with more of a curiosity mindset. And like you say, more humble, more elevating and empowering others. I love the word celebrating. Like we're celebrating people, we're celebrating others, we're celebrating each other. And what we're doing uh it feels it feels even like not a minor switch it's not a minor tweak but it's a hey let's change change the mindset and the conversation all together yeah how yeah. because like i am thinking as someone who's listening and it's a yes how <laughs> that's the question that it always comes to my mind it's like how do I, it's like, I understand the problem. I understand how people feel. I understand why it's coming from. Now I understand I need to change almost like a set and then say, hey, this is the, the, a better way or not a better, but like a different way that can help me and my people and my business. And I get that. I get that at a rational level. But just like we said, hey, coming coming, bouncing back from a painful experience at work or entrepreneurship and experience. Sometimes it can take you like months or years to properly bounce back from that. It's same when it's changing mindset, not because I understand it at a rational level, the theory, the idea, the impact, all of that. That doesn't mean that as much as I want to, that doesn't mean that I will change my behavior and way of being overnight. It's required practice how can leaders then move from understanding that theory and that new way of thinking that may be more empowering to actually doing it and living it and being that way 
Um, I think a good way to start is to using your word, right? To start celebrating other people, you know, um, spending time to tell each and every person why you appreciate them, what you think, and be specific about it. You know, I think you're great because you know you are, you you come up with great ideas. You're great because you are always keeping uh, to schedule. You know, you keep me, you know, uh, and the team on schedule. Just like specific things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, make this also public to others. You know, that person is great. I celebrate him and I celebrate her because this is what they do. You know, that's one way. Um, and, and once you see, once you start to do that, you realize what a positive impact you have on other people. Yeah. And, um, and, and you're going to do it more and more. I think that's a, that's a good start. Um, then just asking others, you know, maybe by starting conversations by saying, um, using more of the how questions, how can I do, you know, how do you think this is? You know, how can I do it better? How can I support you? Um, you know, yeah. How do you feel about this, this, this? Yeah. What do you think about this, this, this? Right. So again, it's asking those questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say just maybe those two um, basic behaviors, uh, but really, really make it a habit will, yeah. will change the way you receive information and how you um, perceive others. Yeah. That is very kind. Thank you. This is very practical as well. Yeah. 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 What would be your final remarks for this? Because I started the day thinking about um, building each other up, um, I would say, you know, people need to build others up yeah um, it, it feels nice you know when you when you when you when you see someone else succeed uh it feels nice when and it will come back you know it will come back to because you are actually doing so much more for yourself when you do something for others then you realize yeah emotionally you know cognitively I think build build others up, um, and women need to build other women up. Um, that's 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 my 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 last comment. I think yeah. Yes. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you, Nat. So uh, much, yeah, having me as well. It's been one speaking. Yes, thank you. It's been a genuine genuine pleasure uh, for everyone listening. Please remember to listen back to the episode and take one idea that you think will change your life. Just take one, not all of them. Pick one that resonates and then take action. Implement it and then take it from there. It's been a pleasure and I'll see you next week. Speak soon. Thank you guys. Bye-bye.